As we teeter on the brink of a potential second wave, knowing we're still in the throes of a global pandemic, it may seem like an odd moment to scrap the public health body leading our response to the virus. We need to bring together the, uh, the response to the pandemic in one institution. Baroness Harding has been the chair of NHS Improvement, so her leadership will be vital in driving this forwards. At the head of the new National Institute for Health Protection will be someone who might not seem like the obvious choice either. Baroness Dido Harding. Why is she the right person for this job? Is she qualified for it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's the simply the best person who could be doing this job now. It seems to be happening time and time again that senior appointments are made and it's not quite clear who arrived at the decision, why they arrived at it and why no one else was considered for the role. We're in the middle of a pandemic, to put someone in with no real health experience, it doesn't sort of instill confidence. What do we know about the test and trace Baroness? And what does her appointment say about power and influence in Britain? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, tracking and tracing the rise of Dido Harding. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We're going to be talking about Baroness Dido Harding um, in a minute, but before we begin, what does it take to be successful and have influence in Britain today? What are the key ingredients that would help? Well, I think it helps if you are if you're well connected, if you if you've got some money, perhaps if your um your parents were landed gentry or had a, had a title. Sabar Meddings is a journalist in the Sunday Times business team. Certainly going to Oxford would also help. Money and a good education and maybe even an interest in horse racing. <laughs> an interest in horse racing. And they are off and they're racing. I find it fascinating, all these links that go back to horse racing. And it's a shame almost that you can't show images with a podcast because if you did and you sort of Googled Dido Harding and horse racing or even Matt Hancock and horse racing, you'd have all these fabulous pictures of um, well, Matt Hancock, perhaps less fabulously. Get ready for the big cheer. Advanced on the left, Niall Hannity. On the right, Matthew Hancock, MP. Can he do the business? He's coming on. These two begin to settle down to battle it out. Matthew Hancock, MP. Can he do it? He's coming home in front. What 
What a result for the Member of Parliament, Matthew Hancock. Great ride. The figures involved in all of this seem to know each other from the jockey circuit. So Matt Hancock, Health Secretary, we know, a keen equestrian. An MP riding a winner at Newmarket. Goodness me. I'm knackered. That last furlong, it's uphill. I couldn't see another horse, but I've just thought, don't think this is done. Just keep going, keep going. Cardinal Gale in six, being driven out in her own inimitable style by Dido Harding. In Dido Harding, a former amateur jockey on the board of the Jockey Club, which owns 15 of the race courses in England. The links between those in the horse racing community and the politicians seem to be growing. There's only three left going, and Dido Harding has been left in front on Cardinal Gale. Part owner Dido Harding comes to the last... That's fascinating, because I think we've always heard about, you know, people being connected, and we've always heard about money helping, and even Oxford mm. and the Bullingdon Club and, and the links you make there. But horse racing feels quite new. What, what do we know about Dido Harding's links in, in the horse world? How involved has she been? She may not be a jockey anymore, but she's certainly always at the Grand National in her, you know, big hat and, you know, outfits that all all the ladies wear at those events. She's a a key part of that scene. And if you look on the board of the Jockey Club, there's various other city figures. Certainly the links between horse racing and Matt Hancock go quite deep as well. So it it is, you can certainly see why people have kind of taken issue with her appointment given their chummy relationship. And it's just odd that it's sort of, it's suddenly reflected in... Or, you know, the NHS, it's such a bizarre, mm. um, you know, such a bizarre link. So Dido on the, on the board of the Jockey Club and then Matthew Hancock's constituency includes Newmarket. You know, he sort of goes to dinners, fundraising dinners, that sort of thing with those in the horse racing community and has actually received donations for constituency costs from prominent figures in the horse racing community. When asked about this in the past, a spokesperson for Matt Hancock said... Matt has been an avid fan of horse racing since childhood and is passionate about the sport. Any political donations have been declared properly and, of course, done so in an open and fully transparent way. So, Baroness Dido Harding now has just been appointed as the interim head of this new National Institute for Health Protection, which is basically, I mean, it's a new unit, but it's basically... England's new pandemic response agency and she's taking the role mid-global pandemic so it's it's a big job. It's a huge job and one does wonder why they are making such a huge change when the country's going through such an incredible challenge but yes she's been she's been given this huge job she'll be in charge of the UK's pandemic response under that umbrella sits sort of all of the work that Public Health England has done and you have to ask what experience does Dido have in public health to kind of really give this kind of rigorous scrutiny to the government's response. I spoke to a public health registrar this morning who said that there was a briefing this week where Dido Harding was asked about her views on AMR, antimicrobial resistance, which is one of the biggest, so that's resistance to antibiotics. And it's one of the biggest challenges that we are facing in this country today. And apparently she didn't know what it stood for. So those are the kind of rumours that are going around public health England, which doesn't sort of breed a very much confidence in the appointment. An NHS track and trace official told us that Baroness Harding was hired for her leadership, not her knowledge of healthcare, and she would defer to the experts on questions about AMR. But there is still unease at the appointment. 
Why are you choosing right now, with the genuine risk of uh, a second wave, to abolish Public Health England uh, and put in charge of your new institute, uh, a, a woman who is, Dido Harding, not perceived to have done brilliantly? I'm just wondering what experience Dido Harding brings to the table. She, she doesn't look like she's got a massive amount, apart from, of course, you know, being one of the board members of the Jockey Club. You know I know her because actually the three of us have a horse connection and, and we have an interest in that. She is an honourable woman. I know that. And she's very, very bright. But the targets were simply not met. There's clearly a, a lot of concern about Baroness Dido Harding's experience uh, and, and level of understanding of the job. I mean, what is her sort of NHS pedigree? We know that since May, she's been in charge of NHS Test and Trace. How has that gone? Not great, I think would be a, a kind way of putting it. Hello, Secretary of State. Thank you. Um, first, a question for Baroness Harding, if I may, about um, test and trace. You're testing just a fraction of that are actually getting through to test and trace. If you're missing so many people, how can we be sure that test and trace can stay on top of outbreaks? Um, I, I'm not pretending that it is perfect. Of course it isn't. She's been in charge of Tess and Trace since May. In that short time, there's been several reports leaking out. All the, you know, all the papers, including ours, are reported about workers saying that they've been sitting around with nothing to do. There was one report of a, of a woman watching Netflix and having hardly anyone to call. Then our paper reported in the Sunday Times that workers were sharing confidential patient information on social media groups. Scientists have said that this system is not good enough to prevent a second wave. They were saying they weren't contacting enough of the people that they needed to in terms of the contact tracing and actually the more of the responsibility was being handed to local authorities. There was an interview with Dido Harding where she was asked about this and she said she absolutely does not accept that it's been a failure. I absolutely don't accept that this is failure. It's the opposite. What NHS Test and Trace is doing is allowing us to identify areas where the virus is spreading more freely. The, the opposite. She said it was the opposite of a failure, you know. She said it, you know, it was getting better and better. We're only two months old, we're getting better and better. So it's sort of this tinnied response to the real concerns from people that about this, this system that hasn't really been effective. It has improved slightly. They brought in consultants from McKinsey, paid them £563,000 to advise the government on the vision of the programme. Dido actually started her career out at McKinsey, the management consultancy. So that didn't go down well, the, the, the fact that they were paid half a million pounds to come in and fix it. In response to questions about this contract last week, McKinsey said... Our UK public sector work is contracted by government officials under existing public procurement rules. A Department of Health and Social Care spokesperson said all contracts have been awarded in line with procurement regulations, which allows for contracts to be awarded directly in exceptional circumstances, such as a global pandemic. I mean, it is remarkable that she sort of clearly thinks it has been a triumph, given that, you know, in the press we've heard stories about people who were given jobs as contact tracers sitting around with nothing to do. And, you know, the famed app never seemed to appear either. We had all this kind of rhetoric around the fact that we were going to build a world-beating app um, with Dido Harding overseeing it. The NHS contact tracing app was supposed to be an important part of the test and trace system. Most countries opted to use systems developed by Apple and Google, but England 
went its own way and tried to develop its own app instead. In the end, it had to be ditched. At a government briefing in June, the health secretary, Matt Hancock, tried to put a brave face on it. Yeah, I'm from Newmarket. We backed both horses. Uh, So we took the decision in May uh, to start building the Google Apple version as well. We back both horses in terms of (laughs) coming up with our own and backing potentially an Apple or a a Google Mm. app. But you're right, the horses do seem to pop up everywhere. On Matt Hancock, it's interesting that he really seems to have backed Dido. Dido Harding has been keen to stress that her position has nothing to do with any existing relationship. Meanwhile, though, on the day her appointment was announced... There has been some criticism about the appointment of Baroness Dido Harding to be in charge of this this new body. Uh, One expert said uh, Dido Harding's appointment makes about as much sense as Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer, being appointed the Vodafone head of branding and corporate image. Why is she the right person for this job? Is she qualified for it? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. She's simply the best person who could be doing this job now. She has enormous experience, both in the private sector, running very large organisations, and this is a very large organisation, organisation now. Despite the outcry of her appointment, he's backing the horse he thinks will win. That's really intriguing. I mean, just to try to understand why he's such a big supporter, what what do we actually know about Dido Harding? Let's go right back to the beginning. What do we know about her as a a person in her early life? So her um, her grandfather was Field Marshal Lord Harding, commander of the Desert Rats in World War Two. She studied PPE at Oxford. There she meets sort of many future politicians. She in her mid twenties, she got a seven thousand pound loan from her bank to buy a horse named Cool Dawn. When she's thirty, that horse wins the Cheltenham Gold Cup. For a former hunter chaser in the colours of the Honourable Mrs Dino Harding. And that's sort of, I guess, the first time that she got a real taste of success. And then, you know, she went into business. She worked at McKinsey, she worked at Asda, Tesco, Sainsbury's. And her first TV executive role was at Talk Talk, the telecom provider that was spun out from Dixon's car phone in 2010. What's interesting there about that appointment is that Charles Dunstan, the founder of Talk Talk, is very friendly with David Cameron. David Cameron and Charles Dunstan are good friends, seen at society events together, attended weddings together, that sort of thing. He puts her into that role. And also, I think if you look at Dido's personal life as well, she's married to John Penrose, the Conservative MP for Western Supermare. He actually last month joined the board of 1828, which is a neoliberal think tank, which has called for the NHS to be replaced by an insurance-based system. That group had also published articles calling for the abolition of Public Health England, although these articles were published before he took on the role. But wow, that's um, that's rather surprising for the husband of somebody who's going to be running a bit of the NHS. Yes, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? One does wonder why he joined the organisation so recently, given its history and comments on the NHS. So take me back to that that period when she's suddenly become a CEO. This is her really taking charge. How did it go? What was her leadership style like? My colleague Simon Duke wrote a profile of her a few years ago and he said her leadership style was described as not for the faint-hearted, quite regimented, very demanding. In 2012, Dido Harding took part in a Radio 4 panel on the subject of ruthlessness in business. Here she is in her own words. 
I think there's quite a difference between being ruthless, which has quite a negative connotation, and being tough. I think you do have to be tough. You're paid when you lead a big business to take the tough decisions. But the day that you don't understand the emotional and human consequences of those tough decisions is the day you shouldn't be allowed to take them. And in 2016, she gave this talk on leadership at the University of the West of England. There are so many different characteristics that leaders need, but if I was going to pick out one, it would be persistence. I think that more often than not, persistence wins over raw ability. I'm a cup is half full person. I look forward, not back. I did actually meet her. I mean, she's very personable, quite good fun. I sat next to her at her dinner once and, you know... Oh, really? What did you talk about at dinner? What was she like? Um, she told me a long story about her dogs oh. that she'd taken on the tube. Yeah, she's very, very into her horses, very into her dogs. But certainly her time at Talk Talk, I think a polite way to say, you know, it did not go well. She got the Daily Mail, Money Mail actually gave her the Wooden Spoon Award, which it hands out each year. What's that? The Wooden Spoon Award for the worst customer service. So Money Mail holds a reader vote on the company with the worst customer service each year. It brings the award, this tiny wooden spoon with a sad face on it, and it sort of it turns up their offices and goes... And, um, you know, they, they get the chief executive, if, if they will agree to, to pose with the award. The company won that three times, but she only posed with it once, unfortunately. But she did pose. She did pose, to give her credit. She did agree to, to accept the award and, you know, pose for the photograph and promise to do better. Business has really turned a corner. We've reduced the number of complaints our customers make to Ofcom to a third of the levels they were two years ago. There is still more for us to do, and we would never declare victory. But three years later... Complaints about customer service would be the least of TalkTalk's worries. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Some breaking news in the last hour. Police are investigating after a significant and sustained cyber attack on the website of the company TalkTalk. TalkTalk have been under attack this week, first by hackers who stole the personal details of as many as 4 million of their customers in Britain. Then the company was accused of being too slow to react. TalkTalk was hit by a huge cyber attack in 2015. She then went on to do several poorly received TV interviews. I know you want me to give some cast iron guarantee. I don't think I can do that anymore. You cannot tell your customers that their data will be safe I with cannot, TalkTalk? I cannot tell them that the world is perfectly safe. Why should they trust you with their bank details, their personal information? Because I'm being honest. In one with Kamal Ahmed, the BBC's former economics editor, he asked her whether this affected customer data was encrypted or not, which obviously would have protected it. And she replied, The awful truth, Kamal, is I don't know. Shouldn't you know that? As chief executive, you should know, surely, that the details we give you are encrypted, so even if stolen, may not be usable. Um, I would love to be able to give you that complete and unequivocal assurance, but it would be wrong of me to give you that today. And what was key about that is it showed that TalkTalk could have actually done more to protect its customers, protect their data, and ultimately they lost £70 million in revenue, they lost 95,000 customers, got a record fine from the Information Commissioner of £400,000, and Dido ultimately left under a cloud in 2017 when Charles Dunson stepped back in to take control but rather than failing downwards she seemed to have failed upwards um, and then was made chair of NHS improvement in 2017. I mean that that's that's all rather remarkable because I mean in, in terms of what happened at Talk Talk the data breach is pretty catastrophic the idea that they wouldn't have thought through this stuff beforehand. I think what's very worrying particularly about the data breach is that The NHS has 65 million patient records. The drive is to really sort of digitalise this and make it available in some form for scientific research. You know, we could benefit from this extraordinary data that we have in this country. But if you've got this very, very sensitive data, there can't be, there's nothing worse than having your health records leaked. I mean, you can imagine how terribly that would go. To have the people in charge of it, you really want them to have solid credentials. Even if there is no risk, it's sort of that public trust that you need to have in, in the people overseeing this even if she's the best person for this role the fact there is this public backlash is quite harmful I think especially I suppose with a project like test and trace that she was put in charge of because so much of that you know we've seen it working really well in countries like China where you have to give up your data you have no say but here so much of it was going to be voluntary and you needed a certain percentage of the population to sign up for it to work and how I mean how does she end up here so we 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 see her leaving Talk Talk under a, a massive and quite public cloud, how does she end up suddenly in the world of politics? She was made Baroness Harding of Winscombe back in 2014. She was appointed to the Lords. I mean, how did that happen? She's got, you know, she has got a connection to David Cameron. He's the one that made her a Conservative life peer. In 2018, Dido Harding was interviewed in front of an audience at the King's Fund Health Policy Think Tank. Here she is on her connections to David Cameron and her interest in politics. 
don't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. So I was at Oxford at the same time as David Cameron. I never met him at university. I was very interested, unlike actually David Cameron, I was very interested in politics when I was at university. I'm incredibly lucky. I, I don't, you know, I, I've run a business, I've made a chunk of money, not doing this for money. You know, David Cameron gave me the ultimate gold star. I don't need someone to give me a gold star. I, I need to feel like I'm making a difference. And for as long as I feel like I am, regardless of, you know, what the media write about me, I'll keep doing it. I want to walk towards the sound of gunfire. And I know we've talked about it already, but obviously worth mentioning her husband, John Penrose, who is the anti-corruption chief. Every single person on this planet is currently suffering because of some kind of corruption somewhere. It doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter who you are, you are almost certainly getting lower quality public services than you might otherwise have, or they are more expensive than they might otherwise And how has she suddenly ended up in healthcare, which she doesn't seem to have that much of a background in? Many of these are sort of made on an interim basis. Even if Dido Harding is the best candidate there was out there, we've got no way of knowing because we don't know who else was considered for the role or if anyone was considered for the role, or even when they started deciding to replace Public Health England with this new organisation. But if you then look more broadly at the appointments that are made in and around the health service, there are some quite interesting connections. So when she's at NHS Improvement, she brings the former CEO of the post office on, Paula Reynolds, who used to work at Dixon's Carphone. Paula Reynolds left the post office in the wake of a huge scandal regarding the sub-postmasters. People ended up with prison sentences and were prosecuted, had their businesses taken off them because they were accused of stealing from the business when, in fact, it was a software error. Oh, God. Yes, of course. That was a huge scandal. A huge scandal. And then then another former Tesco colleague, Laura Wade Gary, she was appointed also to NHS Improvement. And then if we look more widely at NHSX, which was set up by Matt Hancock as a kind of digital arm to drive innovation, to think about how to monetize our data, how to get the best from it. He appointed Matthew Gold, who went to school with George Osborne. He was appointed on an interim basis again, but you know, I think interim was quite soon scrubbed off his title and, and he was then made permanent. And Matthew Gold, like Dido Harding, gets appointed as a as an interim head. They are just appointed and nobody asks questions because it's interim, but they end up staying. They are just appointed. My colleague Peter Evans uncovered a Deloitte report around the time that kind of raised concerns about the fact that Matthew Gold's appointment had been made without any proper process, no sort of interviews with anyone else. And although, you know, on a, on a single basis, you could sort of perhaps say, well, perhaps they were the best person for the job. It was circumstanced at the time, but it seems to be happening time and time again that senior appointments are made and it's not quite clear who arrived at the decision, why they arrived at it and why no one else was considered for the role. Certainly if you look at a job as big as the one that Dido's just been handed now, you know, we're in, we're in the middle of a pandemic. To put someone in with, with no real health experience, it doesn't sort of instill confidence. I mean, that's what's so surprising by uh, about your description of the NHS Improvement Board. I mean, it does sound like a bunch of old friends, but none of them seem to have any proper medical or NHS experience. They've often overseen businesses that have failed pretty spectacularly. That doesn't sound healthy. It doesn't sound healthy. I mean, there is an argument, of course, for having people that have excelled in the business world. You do want the very best of the best. So, I mean, what, what does all of this tell us about power and influence in modern Britain? I guess it shows that it doesn't matter what your experience is, it doesn't matter what your track record shows, it doesn't matter if you've had gumption and worked hard, what does matter is that you, you've, you're friendly with the, with the people in Downing Street or friendly with the Prime Minister or friendly with the Health Secretary and, and that's the way to get one of these jobs. 
not sure that um, my time at Aberdeen would have equipped me very well to sort of get a point, get an appointment. Perhaps I should have gone to um, Oxford. And I dare say, if you really wanted to wield influence, you probably should have got into horses. On Thursday, we asked the Department of Health and Social Care if we could speak to Baroness Harding, but we received no response. In a statement, a spokesperson said, Baroness Harding has been appointed to the National Institute for Health Protection on an interim basis. She's been leading the NHS Test and Trace for three months and has been chair of NHS Improvement for almost three years. She has been appointed due to her wealth of relevant experience in healthcare and her leadership of large organisations and programmes. We have no doubt that under Baroness Harding's leadership, the NIHP will be established as a thriving, mission-driven organisation. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Sabah Meddings from the Sunday Times business team. You can read more of Sabah's work in print on Sundays or with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The producer today was James Shield, with editing help from Asia Fuchs. Sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. See you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.